Wells aboard rolled into Rawhide on its way back to Cheyenne. He really didn't know much about prospecting for gold, but he confessed that he was one who was always tempted to go see the elephant. So he had decided to head up Dakota Way to see for himself what all the fuss was about. He could then decide if he wanted to be a part of it or to simply move on to someplace else. He had no family to concern himself with, so he was free to follow the wind if he chose. His thoughts were interrupted then by a comment from the colonel. I've got your wages here up through the end of this month, Coffee said. You thinking about heading out right away? Well, if it's all right with you, I thought I would. Nodding toward the buckskin, he said, Toby ain't worked too hard this morning. Might as well head on up toward Hat Creek, if it's all right, he repeated. Coffee smiled. Of course it's all right with me. It was typical of the young man to concern himself with the thought that he might not be entitled to a full day's wages if he had officially resigned. He handed Cam an envelope with his pay inside. I added an extra month's pay in there. You're liable to need it. And listen... You come back any time you feel like it. I'll always have a job for you. He extended his hand in a parting gesture, joking as he and Cam shook hands. And don't go telling the rest of the boys in the bunkhouse about the bonus. They'll all quit probably wanting the same deal. I won't, Cam replied, grinning. I appreciate it, sir. You earned it. You take care of yourself, boy. He turned and walked toward the head of the siding. Larry Bacon cracked his whip to encourage the six-horse-matched team to maintain their speed up the incline. Ah, boy, get up in there, he called out to them. The team was not fresh, but still had enough left to respond, and they would be changed at the Hat Creek Station about five miles away. The horses answered Bacon's urging, hauling the big Concord coach through a notch in the brakes south of Sage Creek. Inside the colorful yellow coach were six passengers. Travis Grant, a businessman headed for Deadwood, a man named Smith, who claimed to be a cattle buyer, Wilbur Bean, an extra stagecoach guard, Mary Bishop and her two daughters, Grace and Emma. Riding shotgun in the seat beside the driver was his grizzled partner, Bob Allen. Like Bacon, he was a veteran of the 300-mile run between Cheyenne and Deadwood. It was an unusually light load for the big 18-passenger coach, but there was additional freight that warranted the extra guard, or messenger, as the company called him. In the strong box bolted to the floor was a neat bundle of currency totaling $30,000, and the only nervous passenger in the coach was Travis Grant, who was planning to invest the money in the creation of a bank in the thriving town of Deadwood. There had been frequent holdups of the Deadwood stage, four in one month's time by the notorious road agent Sam Bass and his gang. However, Bob and Larry were not expecting trouble on this run, in spite of the money they were carrying. Their reasoning was simple— the big gold shipments that the bandits were after were on the stages coming from Deadwood, and they were headed toward Deadwood. If any of Bass's agents were watching the stage when it left Cheyenne or Fort Laramie, they would see that there was not a full load of 18 passengers aboard, 
so not a worthwhile payday to go after. To be safe, however, the company sent Wilbur Bean along for extra protection. For these reasons, Bob Allen was taken completely by surprise when they topped the rise, and he suddenly discovered three men standing in the narrow notch, their pistols out, and aimed at him. He reached for the shotgun riding beside his leg as Larry hauled back on the reins to stop the coach. That'd be your first mistake, a voice warned from the side of the hill above him, and he turned to see the muzzle of a rifle aimed at him. Suppose you just pick that scatter gun up by the barrel real gentle-like and toss it on the ground. Bob had no choice but to comply, so he did as he was ordered. Damn. He swore as he dropped the shotgun over the side, exchanging a quick glance with Larry. Both men were thinking the same thing, hoping that Wilbur Bean wasn't a...